Section 16 of Old Rail Fence Corners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Ingle. Old Rail Fence Corners. Edited by Lucy Leavenworth Wilder Morris. Mrs. Nancy Lowell, 1854. I came to Faribault in 1854 and boarded at the hotel kept by the Nuttings the first winter. One evening I stepped to the door to throw out a wash basin of water and saw a large dog standing there. I put the dish down and was going out to call him. When my husband saw me going toward the door, he said, "'What are you going to do?' I said, "'Call in a dog.' It was bright moonlight. He said, "'Let me see him.' He looked and hastily closed the door, saying, the biggest kind of a timber wolf. Be careful what kind of pets you take in here. The upper part of the hotel where we lived the first winter was all in one room. I was the only woman, so we had a room made with sheeting. Sometimes there were twenty people sleeping in that loft. We did not have to open the windows. Most windows in those days were not expected to be opened anyway. The air just poured in between the cracks, and the snow blew in with gusto. It was not at all unusual to get up from under a snowbank in the morning. I brought many pretty dresses and wore them, too. Those who first came, if they had money and were brides, were dressed as if they lived in New York City. We had a dance one night in our little log hotel. It was forty degrees below zero, and very cold anywhere away from the big stove. The women wanted to dance all the time, and so set the table and put on the bread and cake before the company came. Five hours afterward, when we went to eat, they were frozen solid. The dish-towels would freeze, too, as they hung on the line in the kitchen over the stove, while the stove was going, too. One morning, after we were keeping house, my husband said, "'I guess we have some spring company. You better go in and see them.' I did, and in the parlor was the biggest kind of an ox standing there chewing his quid. He had just come in through the open door to make a morning call. All kinds of animals ran at large then. Mrs. William Dow, 1854, Little Falls We came to Little Falls and built this house we are now living in, in 1854. It was built right on the Indian Trail that paralleled the Red River Cart Trail. You see that road out there? That is just where the old Red River Cart Road went. That is Swan River, and it went between us and that. Our back door was right on their foot trail. You could step out of our door onto it. There is a big flat rock on the river up about four miles, where the Chippewa and Sioux signed treaties to behave themselves. After this they were killing each other before they got out of town. You know our Indians were the Chippewas. They were woods Indians. The prairies belonged to the Sioux. They had always been enemies. Hole in the Day was the head chief here, and a pretty good chief, too. His tribe got suspicious of him. They thought he was two-faced, so shot him, as they did his father before him. He had married a white woman, so the real chief now is a white man. I think he was on the square, though. He used often to drop in for a piece of pie or anything to eat. He is buried upon the bluff here. Swan River Ferry was three miles from Little Falls. It was on the direct road through Long Prairie to Fort Abercrombie. The Red River Cart Trail crossed the Mississippi River at Belle Prairie. There was a mill at that little place. When the lumberjacks were driving logs, 
they used to have their wamigans tie up in the river just outside that front door the indians were camped all around here they used to fill their moccasins with rabbit hair to take the place of stockings once i was standing by the river and i saw a squaw come out with a newborn baby she wasn't making any fuss over it first she took it by the heels and plunged it in the river then by the head and soused it in that way mrs solemn was a squaw who had married a white man her husband went to the war i used to write her letters to him and she would sign them with her cross she became very fond of me at the time of the outbreak she said to me kinesagus meaning are you afraid i did not reply then she said if you are i'll hide you she made a wigwam by the side of hers and wanted me to go into it with my children but i would not i liked her but i remembered how when the indians had had a scalp dance i had seen her shake one of the scalps in her teeth this was after she had married a white man i asked her if she did not like the indians better than the whites and she said in chippewa if i do why do i not stay with them at the beginning of the outbreak the sioux were sending runners all the time to get the chippewas to join them one of our men william nichols spoke the indian language as well as english he had lived with them when he was a fur trader he used to disguise himself as an indian and go to the councils so we all knew just what was going on old buffalo a chief said if you go to war i'll be a white man i won't be an indian any more i'll go away and stay by myself always we knew at once when they fully decided not to join the sioux finally i yielded to the entreaties of my friends and went down to st cloud to stay with friends until the danger should be over my husband was in the war one day someone coming from little falls said there's someone living in your house well said i if anyone can i can so back i went i found an old friend from further up the country there we joined forces and lived there until the war was over one day in wartime i looked out of my window and could see mr hall milking his cow in the pasture it had a real fence around it i could see what he could not some indians sitting in one of the corners of the fence stretching sioux scalps over whites when they finished they got up all at the same time giving a blood-curdling war-whoop the cow kicked over the milk and fled bellowing i think that mr hall made even better time and he never even looked around the squaws would often have earrings made of wire with three cornered pieces of tin dangling all around their ears it was not how good but how much with them how these Indians ever lived through a winter the way they were dressed, I don't see. They wore only leggings, shirts, breech clouts, and a blanket. Their legs were no barer than a Scotchman's, though. Our Indians used to tuck things in the bosom of their shirt, as well as in their belts. They used to tuck butcher knives in their leggings. If they were ever going to go on a tear and get drunk when we first came, they would always get my husband to take charge of all their guns and knives. When the squaws wore mourning, they were all painted black and always slashed themselves with knives during the last of the fifties we never had any money it would not do you any good if you had for if you took the money to the store they would just give you an order for more goods instead of the change the red river carts used to camp in that little grove of trees over there we used to sell them supplies and they would give us english silver money once we took some to the store and they were terribly surprised to see money they could not understand how we came by it thought we must have hoarded it but we told them that it came from the red river drivers 
End of section 16.